So with this, this whole party, so even if there was a gathering of staff at Downing Street on December the 18th, 2020, where Here comes they engaged, a non-Tory with the Tory party apology, yeah? Where they engaged in mm. games, socially distanced games and mm-hmm. socially distanced Indoors. quiz. And had individual in a group personal, of more than six people, and had individual that were not from the same household bottles of wine at their six feet that apart. That were not desks from the same household. That were congregating not, indoors, but they were at an essential place came of from work. Di- came from different places, uh, but we're at an essential place of work. So the thing the here is this: the thing here is this. It was obviously that at the point at which this took place, it was when London, I believe, you lot went into tier. You lot joined the rest of the plebs. It was tier joined, four. You were not allowed to travel. You joined you us not, all in the bottom tier. We were not allowed to travel. You were not allowed to meet with people outside of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe even I believe the government uh, Twitter tweeted that a work Christmas party would be against tier four restrictions themselves. Actually, right. So, so and this it was is the even out. government, uh, and that was a, I believe on the same day or the day before. So even the government's own comms was that a, a work Christmas party would be against tier four rules and regulations. And so this is the out that a lot of conservative MPs have been going for over the past mm-hmm. week by yeah, sure, saying yeah. it's not, it wasn't a party. They're trying to say it was, the event. It, was it was a work meeting or a, or a work gathering because technically that wouldn't be against the law if it was done in the way that, that and that's why their defence has always, been, well, always for the past week until today has been, the rules were complied with because it's patently obvious something happened. But them saying the rules were complied with, if true, gets them out of any legal jeopardy because obviously there's a cause now for the police to investigate. So all I'm saying is, if they actually technically abided by the law insofar as you were allowed to be at work, if it was a specific kind of work, you know, if it was an essential service, you could class um, the the headquarters of the British government as an essential place of work. Um, and so they're saying, you know, as long as they didn't do all of these other things, which they probably clearly did, then it would be legal. So I guess if there is an investigation, it will be, or if there's a criminal investigation, it will be, well, were you less than six feet apart? Were you gathering with people outside of your bubble too closely in the workplace? Obviously, politically, it doesn't matter. The fact is, something shady went down. And the fact that Johnson's apologised shows that it doesn't matter whether they technically abided by the rules, which they probably didn't, or not. I'm just putting that there as just, you know, just extra context, not as an apologist, not as trying to be a Tory party apologist. I'm just putting extra information out there that technically they might not have actually broken the law. But obviously the impression, considering what everybody else was going through at the time of year, it's the same, but it's the same thing with Hancock, isn't it? When, when the thing with Hancock came out, Hancock technically, I don't think, was actually breaking the guidelines. But the fact is that he was the health secretary telling everybody to do this, that, and the third, whilst he was groping somebody in his office. So again, it's another thing where technically it might not have been illegal, but it doesn't matter that it wasn't technically illegal. It's the image. That's all I was saying. That's all I'm saying. I have no response other than to allow your um, attempt to give absolution to the Tory party to stand on its own merit. Hello and welcome to Not Bane Podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a black millennial view. Every week, join me, Bay, and Corey as we look at parliament and stories from across the diaspora. Because I was also furious to see that clip. 
And Mr. Speaker, I apologise. I apologise unreservedly for the offence that it has caused up and down the country, and I apologise for the impression that it gives. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Not Bame podcast. This week has been a fairly tumultuous one for the government as we've been going back and forth about this party, which for the first few days, and I think from last week, they have been saying that it didn't happen. This is, of course, the Christmas party that was revealed by a whistleblower in the um, public inquiry that's going on. So that was delivered as evidence to the select committee in parliament. So that was released. And then since then, they have been going back and forth about whether this party really happened, they've been lying, or I suppose not lying, been telling mistruths, obfuscating the truth. And now it has come out that there's a video which was on ITV with the Prime Minister's personal spokesperson making jokes about this party. And now there's also been leaked that there may have been up to three parties over the Christmas um, winter period that have happened either in Downing Street, in the Boris Johnson's flat and in another location. So, Corey. Yes. You, I believe that we had a conversation the other day and you did not believe that this story was even really that important at first. I think you were kind of saying, oh, it's just the usual corruption, lying. And now it seems that, I mean, to be honest, if I'm telling the truth, I'm surprised it's gotten, it seems to have gotten as big as, as it has. But I suppose part of it is people feel like they sacrifice, especially at Christmas. I do remember being really upset and not being able to go and spend any time with my family. Quite a few people had um, loved ones pass away during the period. We're not able to spend any of those lasting moments with any loved ones. While it sounds like um, members of parliament, um, political staffers were having their knees up while telling everybody else to stay at home and close the doors. No, that's exactly what it is. That's why it's hit home. That's why it's got legs on it. So if you think about, <clears throat> think about all of the stories that have got taken traction over the last year, um, from Dominic Cummings and his going to a castle to test his eyesight story to Matt Hancock groping somebody in his office to Owen Patterson, Tory MP, who recently was found guilty by the Common Standards Committee of breaking the rules and then the government tried to change the rules to get him off. To so this story now, with this alleged party, now alleged three parties that took place during the height of lockdown last mm-hmm. December. A Christmas quiz, I believe, Indeed. happened in November. What they all share, what they all have in common, is the idea that there's a universality to them. So in the sense that other stories and other scandals, other shenanigans of the government over the past year have only really affected specific groups specific demographics so um marcus rashford campaigning for school kids to get free food during the summer doesn't really affect middle class voters and middle and upper class voters it only affects a certain group of people 
Absolutely. Um, I believe is, a lot of the and and, the and, and I'm not trying to make and I'm sorry, not trying to make no yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not actually trying to make a, this isn't a class argument this isn't even a party argument I'm what I'm all I'm simply we saying know you is don't make class arguments all I'm uh, all I'm saying is these different issues <clears throat> these other issues have only affected specific groups of people mm-hmm. whereas these stories they affect everybody or they feel like they affect everybody because then everybody everybody feels like they're being taken for a mug because these are things which everybody partakes in we all partake in christmas parties we all, we all partake, partake in, in feeding believing that children shouldn't go hungry and yet yes quite we a might large all believe it but uh, quite a it large portion of the population was telling people to go and forage apples and yes. to eat porridge three times a day but my point is whilst we might believe these things it doesn't affect us all directly Whereas something like this, even theoretically, affects us all. And that's why it has such traction. That's why if this, that's why if it wasn't for COVID and if it wasn't for the fact that there weren't other competent, there weren't other potential leaders in waiting in the Tory party, this could have sank Johnson. Um, But I think it would take another three, four of these stories and he'd probably still be there because COVID and also because there's not really anybody else there. Um, So, so. Going back to, again, just going back to your point about why the surprise that this is sort of taken hold. It's taken hold because everybody can relate to it. Everybody, pretty much, we all know somebody. We all either had somebody who was ill who we couldn't visit, or we knew somebody who had family who was ill who couldn't visit. Pretty much, I'd say 80% of the population either couldn't visit a relative or knew or had a friend who couldn't visit a relative. This kind of thing touches everybody. And that's why it's taken such a hold. And it'll probably have... It'll, it will, I mean, it's already really been going for a week. It's probably going to go for another week. Um, and then there may be something else coming down the line as well. It already looks like there may be other things like other parties. There are yep. there are now rumours that one of the parties took place in Boris Johnson's flat. Yes, not just so the November the flat. 13th, there's a rumour of a flat party at Boris Johnson's during lockdown. December 18th, there's the uh, office uh, Christmas party. And then there is, um, on an unspecified date, apparently an office Christmas quiz. where staff were invited to come in and it wasn't sort of uh, the the main thing about the party on December the 18th is that it wasn't as as it seems Boris has been talking about well if it did happen sort of I said very much separate himself from what is going on he's going to do an investigation to find out what happened and he doesn't know and if staff were doing that he's very disappointed um but it turns, I sort of, sort of turned to pass the buck and say it was more of a civil service issue. And he doesn't have, you know, he's going to find out what's going on. Essentially, we're going to be looking into things and finding out. And yet now it's been um, revealed that it wasn't just civil service um, members. It was also so political staff. Um, apparently, people are saying that journalists were probably there as well. And this is why we've not heard anything about it. You know what? I'm not even going to talk about the BBC political ed- editor. Um, and or then Kinsberg. Keens, Keensberg. Um, let's move straight to PMQs because that took place. And how do you think Keir did? Um, I know you people, it's 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 really um it's quite um it's insightful, it's interesting, not insightful, it's interesting being on you know, because as I am in the center, I have no political you affiliation. Are not on the center. I'm in the you middle. On the right. I'm independent. I'm independent. You are and on so, the right. And so because I don't have a dog in anybody's fight. You have a dog in the fight. I find it quite interesting. So watching somebody like Keir Starmer at PMQs, I always see people like you or the Labour Party people. I say people like me. I'm not you know, a member of the Labour Party. I wish you people were. who lean left. 
people who lean left. Is that okay? Can I say that? Is you that all right? You can call me someone who leans left or somebody yeah, lean who left. leans right. right. That's fine. All right. So people like you who lean left, um, who would like to see a more robust Labour Party. Um, I would a robust I opposition. I think everybody should want it. I th- yeah, I think everybody should, should, oh, should want it. But the point yes, is, anyway, what I'm trying to say on. is this. Mm-hmm. Those folks always, always criticise Starmer. You know, he's not doing this at PMQs. He's weak. He's mealy-mouthed. And I think generally he actually does a decent job. But I mean, you've week, called him weak and mealy-mouthed in your assessment of PMQs many times. Like, this idea but I said the word, did I not? I said generally, I generally, yes, um, A lot of the time, I think, I think, I believe no, I think when you were keeping, leader. I, I believe when leader, you were keeping score, quite often well. he tended to no, lose. No, he actually won most of those. I'll get my scorecard out. No, I think, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I think he's a mealy-mouthed, weak and pointless leader, 100%. But I think at the dispatch box, but the thing is, no, <laughs> yeah, I think I if, you're, if you're a weak and pointless does leader, doesn't matter how many uh, points you score in PMQs, if your party is not robust, you, oh, cannot, yeah, act, not you, cannot, you cannot act as a useful opposition. And so if you're, weak and useless, if you're a weak and useless leader, then you cannot be a useful opposition. Getting one zinger in PMQs does not a leader make. No, I didn't say it did. I'm just saying uh, you can, your, your you argument would... doesn't even stand up then it based on, on your assessment of, of Keir Starmer as a leader of the opposition of the main opposition party. No, no, but it does because to say somebody's a weak somebody to say somebody's Ian a weak Blackford leader, is banging is great at PMQs, but he doesn't have any power, so it's basically irrelevant. Yeah, but which, again, is which is your assessment? All I'm saying is you basically they... think that his his him talking in parliament is pointless because he does that he doesn't have any power down here. So again, because Keir Starmer does not have any power in his own party and the Labour is not able to exercise any power as an opposition because of a weak and mealy mouth leader, the fact that he's able to give a, a, com- a sometimes competent um um what's it called performance in PMQs is now is basically pointless. All I'm saying is. Just because I think he's a weak leader doesn't mean I think he's weak on every single aspect of his leadership. I just think he's weak on the most important bits. So you can be weak, but strong on, you can be weak generally, but have mm-hmm. strong points. You can be a strong leader, but have weaknesses. All I'm saying Absolutely. is he's a gener- generally a weak leader, but he has the, a couple of strong points. A strong leader One of is those needed for an opposition party. Are at the dispatch box. Anyway, you asked me how I think he did today. Mm-hmm. And I said that to say this, I think he did all right. I think he, he, adopted, he adopted what Corbyn did when he was a leader you know where he used to always um quote from somebody who had written to him or uh and that kind of Sometimes thing it was powerful. i think Sometimes. it was the, i think it was more often than not powerful mm. um and i think he he had that this week so he 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 referenced i think the lady was called trish and said you know essentially mm. trish wasn't allowed to visit her mom who was in a home and you know i as as with many other people the family member you know died alone um and Again, that goes back to what I was saying before, why I think this story hits home, why I think the Patterson story hits, why I think the Dominic Cummings story hits, why I think those three stories hit above all else, because these relate to everybody's everyday life, not some people's everyday life, not everybody's some part of their life, but everybody's everyday life. This touches everything that we do. It touches our human relationships, who we can see, who we can't see. And so he used that. He said, you know, as I said, he referenced this lady who couldn't see her mum, who was who was very, very sick because of the restrictions and threw it around and said, you know, does the Prime Minister think it's responsible for the for, for his staff to be having the party at the same time? So I think he did all right. I think he did decently. Um, I think also, but again, 
again, to back up what I said before about him being a weak leader, his follow-up is always weak. So what's he tweeting about? You know, the, the, the prime minister should offer a full apology. Apology. Okay, okay well, Johnson's apologised now. He apologised. He apologised. Uh, oh, well, he, he wants him to apologise and tell the truth. He apologised. So what now? He wants him to also tell the truth. Because if you just say apologise, when he apologises, well, what are you going to say then? You've got no political capital to spend because he's just basically taking it all and giving you some change. Exactly. And again, so failing at being an opposition and yeah. again as um i think i was point i pointed out or was in my notes actually is that when um there was an investigation with into whether nicola sturgeon was lying or telling the truth keir starmer called for her resignation keir starmer has failed to call for the resignation i believe of any conservative mp throughout the covid crisis when it was found out that they were giving contracts to their mates there was no calls for um resignations with the mishandling of the the crisis with the mishandling of the lockdowns with Matt Hancock being a less than brilliant um, health secretary he uh, Keir Starmer I believe said there was no public will for um, resignation at that moment in time and it turned then it turns out that he was also having a handsy affair during the middle of a Covid crisis and again Keir Starmer just the, the opposition is failing to oppose this government and I believe very recently when there was a talk about um, the current clauses in this immigration bill and how it's going to be pushing more people out into unsafe journeys to try to get here. Uh, I believe the uh, Labour Party was trying to come out on the right and saying, no, we need to close down private messaging as well so that there's nowhere for people to hide. And it's sort of they're not offering solutions. They're again continuing to either support the, the government, whether it's you know outright supporting the government or failing or failing to oppose them and acting as a support, and they're consistently trying to come out on the right of the Tory party. So, how, in what way are you opposing them? We don't need you guys for that. That's what you keep and BNP are for. It goes back to what we were discussing last week when we spoke about the social care reforms and how if the opposition parties had got all of their people into the chamber to vote, they could have actually defeated the government due to Conservative MPs being absent. So again, just to back up what you were just saying then, that's another example. That that example backs up what you're saying now. This continual fecklessness, essentially, uh, which is sort of a theme of our show by this point, just highlighting their continual fecklessness. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hard agree. Yeah, I think... Um, what, what, what do you want him? What, what? Okay, so so we've criticised the fact that he's only asking for an apology. What do you want him to ask for? What should he? What should he be demanding? Yeah, uh, the, his resignation, the resignation of those who attended. It's a perfect opportunity to work in step with Ian Blackford and call for a vote of no confidence. Yeah, talk and then also talking about how the undue pressure was put on, um, has been put on so much of the British public, all of the people who received £10,000 fines mm -hmm. um, for having gatherings, all of those should be um, struck out of court. I believe there's people currently going to court now over these £10,000 fines for having parties during the same time. Mm. All of that, all of those should be reversed. People should be given their money. All of these, these are the things you should have a list of things that would have been the consequences for a lot of people. Kay Burley, I believe, was suspended for six months for um, having a party from yeah. Sky News. Yeah. You know? I th yeah. 
I think I've see I've seen a lot of people saying this. Oh, he's asking for an apology. He should be asking for his resignation. I mean, let's be realistic. It's, it's not, not going to resign. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, it's about being fully th- full throated in your mm. opposition of somebody who quite clearly has no respect for the British public in a time of what has been a national international crisis. Who is not sticking to the rules that they have been enforcing with both um, police and financial fines? Like that is what it's about. It's not about him necessarily resigning. Mm. oppose the government an apology as somebody said when somebody stole rice during the london riots keir starmer put them in jail for a year mm, indeed but i think but you're so, asking for somebody else for yeah. the leader of the country who broke the law to say oh i'm sorry would keir starmer ex- have accepted oh i'm sorry when he was ex- um the director of the cps i think though no sorry the director of the um, public prosecutions no I he th- would not th- have oh so i'm sorry i didn't mean it i stole a bottle of water all now, those people have got criminal records. I think, though, um, what you call for, and I am my name, I am no Machiavelli. My name is not Machiavelli. But I think when you call for something, even though, yes, it has to be full throated, it has to be, you have to be calling for something strong, it also has to have, have, at least have the air of, of, of being realistic. So whilst calling for... It would also power up a lot of the people, like you say, who are waiting in the wings. Michael Gove is waiting. But they're not... Rishi Sunak is waiting. But that's the thing. So that's why I come back to it. It has to at least have some element of of being realistic. It's not realistic because there is nobody... Yeah, these guys are waiting. Michael Gove is never going to be leader, especially after what he did to Boris the first time. Rishi Sunak... Uh, no, he's not yet. He's not le- no yet. There isn't anybody. There really isn't anybody right now to take over. Boris Johnson is not going to resign. The only way Boris Johnson is no longer prime minister is if he decides that he can't be asked anymore. Nobody's pushing him out because there's nobody there to replace him. And my fi- and the calculus in the Tory party right now, I'm pretty sure, is is the fact that the same reason that they brought him in in the first place, they elected him for one reason only. They thought he could win. They are not at the point yet where they think he can lose. So they're not going to get rid of him because there's nobody there to replace him and they don't think he's that much of a liability in an election. So asking for him to resign, again, I, I hear what you're saying. It It's full throttle. It's grabbing it by the neck. It's, it's something strong, but it has no element of being realistic. However, the second thing you said, I think, again, whilst not being realistic, not, not going to happen, it has more of a feel of being realistic. A vote of well, no an apology. An apology. No, forget an apology. A vote of no confidence. Because then you get on the record of, yes, he's going to win that vote of no confidence because every Tory MP is going to be there and vote for him to stay. Mm-hmm. He's not going to lose a vote of no confidence, but it's something on record. It's something tangible that people can see, hear and watch play out in Parliament. The Prime Minister being voted, the, the opposition party saying, we have absolutely no confidence in this guy. So that that then is both full throttle, what you said it should be, mm-hmm. well, what I'm saying it should also be. It also has an an air of, of being realistic. It's not going to happen, but it, it at least feels like it could happen. Whereas just but saying, do oh, that resign, that, that just, that's pointless. That's nothing because then he won't resign. And then what? We move on. Again, it's the same thing with the apology. You ask him to apologize, he apologizes, end of story. You ask him to resign, he says no, end of story. But you go for a vote of no confidence, there has to actually then be an actual vote of no confidence. And again, it's something that people can see play out. That's what I'd advise anyway, if, uh, you know... If you were Machiavelli. In 15 years' time, if I may be some Labour Party strategist, which... (laughs) You definitely won't be a Labour Party strategist. I won't be any party strategist, because as I said, I'm in the centre of politics. I have no party affiliation. Yeah, yeah, you'll be more likely Rishi Sunak's uh, strategist. Please stop lying. 
accept it. It's okay. Like, anyway. As most people know, the new Omicron variant of COVID-19, the new coronavirus, the newest variant. Why can you not introduce something like a normal person? <laughs> like, am I, I mean, just throw me right off. Good. The newest variant of the coronavirus. Uh, uh, where was I? As a result of that, their governments around the world have quickly imposed restrictions on their borders. Japan and Israel and Morocco basically said nobody's coming in here. Straight away, mm-hmm. close the borders, like Australia. Um, and Britain and other countries restricted access, mainly to countries in Southern Africa. And Britain also, as of this Monday, restricted access from, like, well, not restricted access, but have put countries from Southern Africa and Nigeria on the red list, the so-called red list of countries, mm-hmm. whereby if you are coming from those countries, you have to quarantine in a government-provided hotel at your own cost. At your own cost. Weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Uh, so yeah, as a result of that, um, the controversial red, though the red list is now apparently the blacklist, which I believe you're going to be telling us about. Absolutely. For across the pond this week, I'm going to be talking about, like as Korea said, has become quote unquote the blacklist to give a list of the countries in Southern Africa which are currently on the red list: Angola, Botswana, Iswatini, Lesotho, Malawi, Mozambique, Namibia, Nigeria, South Africa, Zambia, and. Zimbabwe. Obviously, the uh, alarm was raised about Omicron a few at the beginning of the month, maybe a little bit earlier, as uh, South African scientists had discovered the variant, not making it a South African variant, obviously, but the alarm bells all went off. Everybody started shuffling and decided that it was a Southern African variant. So they closed the doors. Obviously, since then, it has already been found in the UK with 136 UK um, cases, 134 UK cases and 21 in England. However, there is now um, anybody who comes from these countries will need to quarantine. And of course, one of the mandated uh, quarantine hotels is owned by a Tory donor. You know, uh, I will leave that to stand on its own. I think this has been described as travel apartheid by the UN Secretary General and the Nigerian High Commissioner in London to London also agreed, and he spoke about this on um, BBC Radio 4, talking about that they are aligned with the UN and how this is not a global approach. It's very much a selective approach as this is a pandemic situation, but they're dealing with... The, this variant, um, the Omicron variant, is very much as an endemic situation to Southern Africa, which it is not. It is very different from the Delta variant in that it has so far been classified as a mild variation with no hospitalizations and no deaths. So I, while I can mildly understand at the beginning, whenever everybody being unsure, not necessarily banning specific countries, just closing the borders completely, which is much more of a blanket approach and a better approach is closing the borders completely. What they've actually done is been quite selective about um, how they're going to do it. And as somebody who's traveled uh, fairly recently, I would say that the, the um, UK government and how they handle, have been handling travellers coming into the country with regards to this, have not got a leg to stand on because I was not checked at all in the airport leaving or arriving into the United Kingdom, but I was uh, checked profusely when I arrived in Europe 
and I was, the requirements that were put on me that um, the checks in the queues, the checks before I left the queues, the checks leaving the airport, the checks coming into the airport, none of those were in place in um, the United Kingdom. So this idea that there is an attempt to keep us safe or there's an attempt to create any sort of separation between red, um, amber and greens and how it's and safety to travel is, to be honest, this is just not really believable. And it's very much easy for this government to decide that they're actually going to place impositions on places like southern Africa and yet when there was um, a crisis with the Delta variant happening in other parts of the world it took Boris Johnson you know weeks to decide whether he was going to take a trip or to continue to take a trade trip to India when it was in the throes of the Delta variant and was coming and was suffering from a massive oxygen shortage so it really just shows that there is even a hierarchy of how this government deals with countries, how it applies these rules dealing with um, COVID. It's all it's all becoming very obvious. Obviously, this will not have any sort of dent in the current government standing in the polls or with the British public. So two things. First mm -hmm. thing on the polls. Second thing on this list. So travel apartheid, the Archbishop of Canterbury also described it as a uh, as travel apartheid um but and interesting obviously he also sits in the house of lords so you know technically you have somebody in parliament accusing the government of apartheid interesting anyway um polls 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 he said it's not gonna have a dent in the polls now the, and this specific thing might not necessarily have a dent, dent in the polls but interestingly enough so the by-election we did mention a couple of weeks ago that there are a few by-elections happening now the first one happened last week in the old seat of uh, james brokenshire the MP who, who sadly died a few weeks ago of cancer. However, his replacement, yes, was a Tory. So Conservatives won that seat again. But um, actually, no, my mistake wasn't James Wilkinshire because they're not contesting that seat. Anyway, the by-election last week, my mistake. Sorry about that. They're not actually contesting that one the other parties. Anyway, the, the, the by-election last week, that was the first one. Um, of, and then the other one's Owen Batterson's by The other one's going to be Owen Batterson, who also resigned. So anyway, that by-election, uh, the Conservatives retained a seat. However, there was a swing towards pretty much every other party. So the Greens had an increased vote share, Labour had an increased vote share in that election. So I think people keep saying, I keep hearing people say things like, oh, the polls are not changing. Oh, this country's always going to keep voting for the Tories. Oh, this X, X, Y, and Z. Well, mm, the latest actual election we've had has shown the opposite. And yes, it might just be because it's a by-election, because you know, by-elections usually don't go the way of the governing party. But it might be saying something that the recent by-election we had, the, re the only election we've had recently, there was a swing against the government. Um, so that might be saying something. The other thing that I want to mention, you said about the list and the uh, comparing it to previous waves. But wouldn't we criticize them for, now I'm not, I think there are very questionable elements of the countries they've chosen, so I'm not, defending that per se however the general idea of taking quick action would we not mm -hmm. criticize them as we have done in the past the first right the first time in march last year then as you said i when, think i very when much said i don't i didn't we, criticize them for being trying to be decisive i said but what would have mm -hmm. been decisive would have been a travel ban completely because so far the Omicron uh, variant hasn't been detected in a, a lot of the countries that are on the list and the, where Omicron has been detected um, in Israel and in Belgium those countries are not on the, the red list either so is it decisive action or is it um, appointed action? 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's not really defensible. They, they're saying, I think Sturgeon, Nicholas Sturgeon was saying, oh, they're, they're, they're reviewing it every day. Um, they really just need to be reviewed all, all the time because if they're basing this simply on the, where the places where this Omicron variant is most, um, is, is most prevalent, then they're going to need to be updating that and changing that very quickly, very soon, or else it's going to be then patently obvious that it's just simply targeting countries that either they don't care about or they don't think that it's going to be much political fallout because there isn't going to be much political fallout. Let's be honest. If you ban travel from certain countries in sub-Saharan Africa, that's, that's, that's the exactly, political that's, exactly that's the political calculus. Whereas if you ban travel, you know, if there were spikes of the Omicron variant in America, you damn sure they're not going to ban travel from America or they're not going to put America on the red list. So again, a lot of this is sadly politics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and sorry, yes, uh, when I was talking, the by-election that I was referring to was, um, yes, the, the next one is North Shropshire on the 16th of December. Um, yeah. Exactly. And how do we think that's going to go? What is your prediction? That one, now, now here's the thing. So as I said, the, one, the by-election last week, um, yeah, the by-election last week was of, as I said, there was a swing towards the Conservative Party. And that was... Yeah, sorry, that was James Brokenshire's. As I said, I, again, I'm going back on myself twice here now. So, three by-elections, just to be clear. We had James Brokenshire, the MP who died mm-hmm. um, of cancer. That was mm-hmm. the by-election last week. That was, that was the one where it was Conservative hold. Next week is the by-election for Owen Patterson, who resigned. And then the other by-election is the one that they're not contesting. That is David Ames, who got shot, the MP who got shot. So that's the one that they're not contesting. Anyway, as I was saying, the one last week, James Brokenshire, his old seat, it was a conservative hold. <clears throat> but as I said, there was a reduced, it was a reduced majority and there were swings to other parties. Next week is going to be Owen Patterson's old seat. Now he, you know, James Brokenshire was um, mostly a very res- a respected MP who sadly died. Owen Patterson was a, a corrupt MP who resigned. <laughs> Big difference. So if you if you had a swing in a seat, obviously different seats have different different. There's different things in different seats, different constituencies. But if you had a swing to other parties in a seat where you had a respected MP who sadly died of cancer, and then you've got an, an a, a, a by election in a seat for a, for an MP who was basically accused of corruption and resigned, then that'll be interesting to see. Um, you would assume that the swing would be even greater, if not an upset. I am not optimistic, mm. but you say, you know, that I'm always uh, pessimistic and things are never going to change. So, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe something will happen. Maybe the Greens will win. Maybe the Lib Dems. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's true. Anything can happen. Indeed. Anything can happen. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotBanePod. And if you're listening on iTunes and you enjoyed what you heard, rate us five stars. It helps us get up the rankings. If you didn't enjoy it, ignore everything I just said.